So this morning we're going to step away from Hebrews just for a time and focus on what we're looking at at Christmas to help get our hearts and minds focused on what it is that we say we believe in and what exactly are we doing here at Christmas. So we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 2. So if you'll turn with me to the letter to the Ephesians, we'll be reading in, in chapter 2. And I'll wait for you to get there and then we'll pray. And So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, that it comes to us without error, that it is your word. You spoke as you moved holy men to speak your word perfectly, that we might know truth of you. So we pray for the grace to be able to, to not only to understand and to hear, but that to follow these things that we hear, that we might be more like you, even from what we hear this morning. And so this we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me just begin by saying Christmas time. It's one of those times, again, I've said sometimes from the pulpit you'll hear pastors say, I hate Christmas, and there's reasons for it. Uh, other people will say, I hate Christmas, and there's reasons for it. You know, but, you know, if you, you see or read Christmas Carol, it's the bah humbug guy that's the bad guy, but he's transformed, so he's our hero. So we would pray that if that's how we feel about things, that we could, too, be transformed. So we're to be thankful at all times for all things, including and maybe even especially at this time of Christmas. I mean, there are, there are lights everywhere. There's even trees in the house. My father used to take us out, and we'd trespass, I'm sure, and cut down a cedar tree, and who knew what we might bring in with it, and we'd put it in the house and, and had us a tree. Um, there's presents, Santa Claus, reindeer, eggnog, friend, family, carols. I should say friends. That was meant to be, be plural. I do possess more than one of those from time to time. There are traditions that we all have that we pass down from generation to generation, not even knowing some of them where they come from, and not even understanding one Christmas how you may actually begin a new tradition that carries on for who knows for how long. There's sounds, there's smells, there's tastes. So why is it that it's also a time of loneliness and sadness for so many people? Why can't it just be all joy? It's Christmas. A time in which we are called actually to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. In a bit of a, a cultural moment here. And, and the answer to why there's not always comfort and joy and peace is found in the very reason that Jesus came to begin with. The very reason for his arrival and the answer is found in who he is and what he did and is doing. So first, you know, why did Jesus come? And we see this in Ephesians chapter 2 in the first three verses. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So why did Jesus come? It was because man was dead. Dead in his trespasses and sins, as we read, dead. Spiritually dead. Dead as a doornail. Although I don't know what is particularly dead about a doornail, as our friend Charles Dickens would remind us. So let me say with Dickens and repeatedly repeat emphatically that man is dead as dead as a doornail. So what was God to do? We were by nature children of wrath. Wrath. That's different to somebody just being angry. Um, if somebody ever said they're, they're, they poured out their wrath upon you, wrath, their wrath, I mean, that's, that's exponential anger being poured out on somebody. And we were children of wrath, and we were rightly children of wrath. But an object of whose wrath? God's wrath. We were children of God's wrath. We were born under the curse of God and children of wrath. God's wrath rightly toward man and apart from Christ man is still under this wrath so don't forget that man was created by the word of God from the dust of the earth dust which the word of God spoke into existence out of nothing ex nihilo out of nothing, and ex nihilo nihil fit. Out of nothing, nothing comes. If there's ever a time when there was nothing, including no God, but just nothing, then there would still be nothing. So it is a logical impossibility for there ever to not have been a creator God, for we have things that exist. And this God who spoke all things into existence created man out of the dust. And then God promised life and protection as long as man continued in obedience. As long as they did not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. They had been given everything. There was a tree of life in the middle of the garden. There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. The day you eat from the tree, you shall surely die. So life and happiness and everything they wanted and needed was theirs to have as long as they just did not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God did promise that on the day you eat, you shall die. And man ate. So what was God to do? Man fell, and we use this word, the fall, because he fell from his original state, his original condition of righteousness and perfection. So he fell from this, and he became subject to the law of sin and death that man became subject to the law of sin and death. But God spared Adam on that day by providing a sacrifice. They tried to clothe themselves with um, fig leaves, and he said, this will not do. So he clothes them with the skin of an animal, which you can only get by killing an animal and shedding the blood. And they're covered with that to foreshadow the coming of Christ, who would be sacrificed, his blood spilled, that we might be covered with the blood of Christ. We'd be covered with Christ's righteousness so he covered Adam and Eve with the skins of an animal and so why did he why did he do this why didn't he just leave them there so let's look more at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 but God 
being rich in mercy because of the love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So man sinned, fell, died. What was God to do? And he saved us by his mercy and grace. Mercy is that withholding back of, of deserved wrath. And grace is that gift of, of favor that is given to people who deserve wrath. It's not just that you don't deserve a gift, but you actually deserve great punishment. And instead, you're given a great gift. And that's what God has done for us in the gospel. But even from there in the garden, a distinction is made between people. That there would be enmity, the word is there. It means there would be a strife. There would be lack of harmony, a, a enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So there would be two peoples. And then there was a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, but that the serpent would bruise or crush the heel of the son of the woman. So Christ was coming, and he would crush the head of the serpent. But in the process, his heel would be crushed. So it would be a great cost that the serpent would be destroyed. But even from there, even from the garden, and obviously sacrifice was instituted because we see um, sacrifices being offered by Cain and Abel. And so Adam was told and passed on the value of sacrifice and the reasons for it. But even from there, sin increased. Sin increased. They saw the, the mercy of God. They heard from Adam and Eve the, the deception that was there. But even from there, sin increased. Mankind spun out of control, going from bad to worse. If you turn quickly to Romans 1.26, just back a few pages. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Man spinning out of control, becoming worse and worse. We know it ultimately leads to even the flood, but then even after that, again, it begins, continues to increase. So Romans 1, 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable honorable pleasures. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And seeing they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of 
envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So don't give approval and don't practice these things. But sin was spinning out of control. And again and again and again, sin would continue to spin out of control. Death and corruption gained an ever-increasing greater hold on man. The law of death prevailing. And that's what we see. The law of death prevailing. And there was no escape. And as God looks on, it's monstrous. And it's unfitting for image bearers of God to behave like this. And so it was a return to dust. So then what was God being God to do? He creates man, the pinnacle of creation, and breathes life in him and does something with man that he doesn't do with any other creature, and that is... Make him in the likeness and image of himself. An image bearer of God. All men and women, children, are image bearers of God. And for image bearers to behave like this brings dishonor upon God. It is saying, God's like that. And if God approves it, you're saying, God's okay with it. And God's not okay with it. God's not okay with it at all. Part of our sin is that we're kind of okay with it. Part of our sin in the world's sin is how dare God judge us for being like this. The audacity of us. So what's God to do? He ought to rightly have just ended it then. But he had a different plan. He wanted to do something else. He wanted to demonstrate something else. If everything always had been perfect and nobody ever sinned or anything at all, there were things about love and about God's love we'd never understand. We'd never understand mercy because you don't need it. You'd never understand grace because you don't need it. You'd never understand forgiveness because you don't need it. You wouldn't understand what sin is because you never would have seen it. And so, as we would all know, if you've ever experienced great guilt and then you've experienced great mercy... It's a hard thing to even believe in. And then to have God, the holiest of... He's not even being. He's outside of being. The one who created all things and created us to be image bearers. And we're recreated now as Christians to be in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. And then we behave like we do and we get upset with God when things don't go our way. And it's like... God is not treating us as our sin deserves. Thank God that he doesn't treat us as our sin deserves. So what was God being God to do? And I was looking through my books to um, see something, you know, let's, let's do something on Christmas. Let's talk about it in some way. I, I came across a book that I think... Uh, Chandler took some kind of religious class at UNCG, and they actually, one of the books was Athanasius on the Incarnation. Um, it didn't appear to have been opened, so 
may have been one of those books they tell you to buy, but they never tell you to read. But uh, I opened it and started reading it, and it's like, I was amazed. It's like, I can't believe I recommend Athanasius on the Incarnation. It sounds like something that would, you know, very difficult, dry read, and maybe for some people it is, but um, it was quite remarkable. A lot of what I have to say here is, um, is really from this as well. Because the only way for our corruption, our body of death and sin, to be get, got rid of would be through death. We were promised death because of it. So death must happen. The only way for us to get rid of this was through death. But the word could not die. So if Jesus was going to become a sacrifice for us, he's the word of God. The word of God cannot die. So then a great miracle. God the Son, also called the word of God, he took on a body capable of death. He took on a real body and surrendered his body as a sacrifice free from every stain. And that's what he does. At, we celebrate at Christmas. That's what he does in his incarnation. He becomes flesh. He becomes man. He becomes human. It, it, born in, in a, as a baby in a manger, in a lowly estate. So let's look at John chapter 1 and, and read how John elevates this birth of Christ, and he's telling you that Jesus is not just a baby, but God himself. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And remember this at Christmas time. This is not just the stories which are important, the gospel stories of, of um, the birth and the, the magi and the shepherds and the angels, and we hear those a lot, but remember this too, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, taking us back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. And now John reminds us of this, and this is Jesus Christ who is this God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The only one that could recreate life in us was the one who created that life to begin with. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You were born not of the will of your flesh. You did not 
in your sin and darkness come to a conclusion apart from God that he was there. And apart from God, you recognized you need him. And apart from God, you called out to him. And apart from God, you decided to go to the scriptures. And apart from God, you decided to go to church. And apart from God, you continued to cry out. And apart from God, you sought him. And apart from God, you were born again. None of that will happen apart from God. Apart from God, you hate him. No matter how much lip service you might give, the more the demands of God encroach on the people of God without God, the more they will hate. So at a certain level with non-believers, you have to kind of back off or you're going to catch it too. But God says, no, be a light, be salt, speak truth in love. But you are not here if you're a believer. You're not even here if you're a non-believer of your own accord. But God has brought you here for a purpose. It's either to make you more like him or to put a little more wrath on you this morning so that you might reject even more thoroughly that thing which you don't believe. So we're, we are without excuse. And if you have faith this morning, thank God for the gift. And it is not a gift that God holds out and says, it's, you, it's yours if you want it. It's not a gift. It's, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it is a gift of faith. Here's the gift. Faith. And do you have this faith? And the answer is found in your own heart. Do you really receive joy when you hear these things? Does this resonate in your heart? Does this make a difference in your life? Does, does the joy that the shepherds felt when they were leaving the manger resonate within your heart? And we continue in John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So the light has come into the world. And that's why we have lights at Christmas time everywhere. But the church now, too, is the light. So will you receive it with joy, or will you simply sit there and think about how long is this sermon going to last, and what are you going to have for lunch when this is over? So are the great chains that many are working for themselves even today as a great salvation calls out to the people who can't feel the chains on their souls. How blind are those who are blind believing they can see and blind guides and then both will fall into the ditch so what was I to do because even the light is rejected look John chapter 3 just 
you know, John 3.16. Everybody wants to know John 3.16. So this is how God loved the world. He sent his only son to the world that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. But let's not stop there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So why did he send it into the world? Send Jesus into the world? Not to condemn it. But in order that the world might be saved through him. The world would be saved through Christ. The reason for Christmas. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's the good news. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is not condemned because he lived a perfect life. He died a sinless life on the cross for us, giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins, and then he's raised on the third day. So whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Loving the darkness. And we see it in the world. People loving the darkness. And why do they love the darkness? Because their deeds are evil. And they love the darkness. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come into the light, unless his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what's true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So he becomes man. This is what God was to do. Just out of his love for us. And out of a desire for the Son to glorify the Father. The Father to glorify the Son. That we might all glorify God through him. The chief end of man to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. He becomes a man, born of a virgin, in a manger. His body was not a limitation. It was an instrument of man's salvation. For as many who would believe in him, he gives a right to become children of God. We were by nature children of wrath. But for those who believe in him, you become children of God. And then the gospel... The perfect life that Christ lived in, the, lived in the body, offered himself for us as a perfect sacrifice, raised by the power of God from death, not just showing his acceptance by God, but also providing our acceptance and reconciliation to God. And those who believe in him as Savior and Lord, the gospel is not an argument to make. It's not a means of A better way to live is proclamation. That unto you this day has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's not a means to make people better. It's a means of saving mankind from death. And that's the proclamation. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. So finally, turn to Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians chapter 2. As the song says, So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. So Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So walk in him. So what was God to do? We're dead in our sin. So he had to come into the world to recreate us, to give us faith and provide faith that unites us to a perfect sacrifice so that we now have access to the throne of grace and are made partakers of the rights of the children of God. So therefore, as you've received Christ, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is talking about our baptism, our salvation. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. The insinuation, the proclamation is he's also raised you from the dead. And you who were dead in the trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. That is the evil demonic powers. And there are those today who even are worshiping them again. I mean, you go to Haiti and they voodoo, they're openly worshiping demons. We're like, well, we would never do that. We're a, we're a modern people. But Wicca, uh, Ouija boards, tons of stuff that you might not even look at because you're willing to look the other way. Yoga. These things lead us down paths of darkness. And then there are people who openly are practicing these demonic practices and are saying it's just a nature religion. So we all find excuses to do these things. But God has put these things to open shame and has triumphed over them. Therefore, let's go to verse, chapter 3, verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So think about that. We were supposed to die in the garden. Mankind dead. What was God to do? He came, became man so that he might die. And now by faith, you died. That was what was supposed to happen. And you did. And then we're being raised back to life. Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also were, will appear with him in glory. So this is remarkable. He's, going, he's in glory. You're going to appear at your death. We're going to be raised. And we will all be glorified together. And we will appear with Christ because we're hidden in him. We will appear in glory. So then... How are we to live? 
what kind of people are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? We, we talk about the gospel. We celebrate Christmas. We get mad at churches who don't believe the gospel. We get upset with other people who don't live their lives the way they're supposed to. We don't like churches who are all legalistic and it's all about looking a certain way, sounding a certain way, talking a certain way. We get upset with churches that say it doesn't matter how you live at all. You can just do whatever you want to do and get away with it all the time. Um, we need to get our own houses cleaned up before we start looking at the world. We need to make sure we have the planks out of our own eye before we start to get the specks out of other people's eyes. And then we can see clearly to be able to help. So here's what he says to do for ourselves. You're dead. You've been raised with Christ. Then put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you. And what are those things? Well, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger. Tell you what, you get men together and they get honest with each other and there's a list of things you all want um, to help with overcoming. High in that list, number one or number two, always anger. It's always anger. Ryan, stop it. You're making me very angry right now. He's shaking his head. Billy, does he have a problem with anger? She's a good wife and will not say. Ryan, you got a problem with anger, buddy. The next one is wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Put these things all away. Do not lie to one another. And we have a problem with truth-telling. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creators. Being renewed, how? In knowledge. The transforming of your mind. You need to be in the Word. You need to, to be around other believers. You need to be praying. You need to participate in the Lord's Supper. You need to see baptisms happening. You need to see uh, the proclamation of the gospel. You need to walk in the Spirit. You need to follow Him in steps of obedience, trusting Him with your obedience. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's where the wrath of God is coming because of that. So die to it. Don't live in it. It's like I've seen some... It's like you're walking around with a dead body wrapped to you. If you ever seen um, the, the what is that? Walking Dead? They've got, there's one thing. It's the zombie things, and they've got one way you can walk through the zombies is to take um, the, the. This is this is kind of gross. You can um, let's see. I can say it without it. You um, you uh, <laughs> you you uh, gosh. You take the parts of the zombie and you put it on yourself and you cover yourself with it so that you smell like it and you look like it so that other zombies think you're one of them so you can get through them, and that's what we do. We live like dead people so the other dead people won't attack us. When what we're supposed to do is to be loud, which just attracts them. You're supposed to be bright, which just attracts them. But those guys in The Walking Dead, there's no hope. The Walking Dead around us be brought back to life but it'll be through your proclamation but when the world looks at you and you smell like death and the world looks at you and you smell like them and you look like them they don't have a problem with you they don't even pay attention to you they just move along to the next thing but we're supposed to be renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator so there is now this is very important for us this is where you go for all this woke nonsense for all this people who are repenting of being white people who are repenting of having privilege, people who are repenting of whatever these things are, 
um, or people who are racist and don't like black people or white people or Indian people or Native American people or Chinese people or whatever kind of people we're all dividing ourselves all up in and watch the Biden administration break its back trying to include every single little individual uh, <laughs> different type of person in their administration and every time they try to do that they just get yelled at by somebody else and that's what happens when you try to become the world it's never enough don't become like the world because there's not a Greek or a Jew. There's not circumcised or uncircumcised. There's not barbarian, uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. There's not black. There's not white. There's not Irish. There's not Spanish. There's not all these things. When you come before Christ, you come to the table, we don't put the Greeks over here and the Jews over here and the blacks over there and the whites over here. We don't do that kind of thing. It's a sin. Christ is all in all. We're all Christians. So then we put on... A new person, as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved. We put on what? Not these other things. How are we supposed to look? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds Everything together in perfect harmony. I was reminded this week of um, the song from um, the 70s, I guess. I heard it for a while, though, about Coke. Perfect harmony. You guys remember that song? I like, oh, how's it go? Um, I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, perfect harmony. I like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. <laughs> It's the real thing, what the world wants today. You know, Coke. We want to live in perfect harmony. That is what we want, as long as they're singing our tune and not their tune. Love is what binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So love admonishes too, and it teaches. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through faith in him. Wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. In verse 2, chapter 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And that's what we're to do. So you ask yourself, am I truly in Christ? That's the important thing. Am I truly in Christ? Does his gospel message bring you joy? Do you receive his table as we come to it with great joy. What was God to do? He gave himself for us, and then he gave himself to us.
So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. The gift of your son, Father, you've given us the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've put him in our hearts. You've put us at his table to remind us that the gospel is he is in us and we are in him. So as we come and we sing this song, O Holy Night, let's remember the reason it's holy is that you sent your son into the world to save sinners. That we might be changed and walk in the light. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.